Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Okay, Nick. I don't know if you get this question a lot or if your your clients um, ask you this a lot, but I frequently get asked, don't you ever get tired of hearing people complain about their lives? <laughs> um, I do get this pretty frequently. <laughs> do you? Or 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 um, after listening all day to people's problems, aren't you impacted by that? Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Those they, and those two questions seem to come kind of together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually, I, I I think I think my clients ask this when they feel frustrated with their own maybe lack of progress or, oh. or, or a struggle, but it, it's really usually, I don't think anything about me. It, it's usually, I think when they're having a particularly hard day and they're, they're, they're going to, they're, they're about to start really kind of talking about something heavy mm-hmm. and, and difficult for them. And there's this kind of effort to kind of take care of me or something. Oh, interesting. Um, I think, Hmm. I'm, I'm sure there's lots of motives for that question, but what do you mean when you say it's an effort to take care of you? Elaborate on that a little bit. I think sometimes clients, well, uh, therapy is kind of a weird context in life, right? Therapy I mean, it's an insanely weird context. It's, it's a very <laughs> odd, strange setting. And I think that clients, um, are, are sometimes aware of how strange it is to come in once a week and tell a person, a lot of your problems to, or talk about a lot of your problems with another person. Someone you have zero, someone you don't know about the other way. Yeah. Someone you have no, you know, you, you may not have a long history with. Um, and so I think it feels artificial and they suddenly kind of become aware of like, Oh, when I come in here, it seems like we just really talk about a lot of my problems. And I, I suppose part of that is because they, in their mind, they think, Man, if I was doing this to someone else in my life, right? They, there's no way. <laughs> or if someone was doing this to me, I would like, right? How could I couldn't handle that? You know, mm-hmm. like that would just really get me down, or that would really annoy me, or right. So there, I think there's part of the issue is people are understandably are not. Um, we day in and day out, we live the this odd relationship that is therapist and client. Right. Right. We think a lot about it. We're trained how to work in it. We do it all day long. To us, it feels normal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but most people, even therapy clients, don't spend a lot of time thinking about the, the uniqueness of this situation and relationship. Right. right. And I think it kind of hits them every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think the first thing is to say, man, it'd be really hard to listen to people do that all day. And then the next thing is like, man, do you just, you know, go home and stare at the wall you know i mean they just they're kind of curious about what do you do after this you know um and so it's an interesting question it happens quite frequently it sounds like to you too yeah although my i'd say 90 percent of the time it when it happens in therapy it's after a client has sort of um gone on sort of an extended sort of monologue Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. tough stuff yeah in their life and they they sort of like they end and they kind of like catch themselves and they're like Oh, it's like they exhausted themselves yeah. and they, and they're like, man, how do, and then that's a trigger for like, and you do this every hour all day long, all year long. Right. You know? Yeah. It's either at the beginning of a session before they're about to go into one of those or as they're coming out right of one after. and they're like, yeah. oh wow, this realization I've been talking for about 
10 minutes straight about how awful this mm-hmm. X is and, and some of the details about it. But yeah, it's interesting. What do you tell clients when they ask you that? Mm, what do I actually say? Hmm. So a lot of the time I, I get the sense that it's, and I don't know, maybe I'm misinterpreting this, but most of the time in my case, they don't necessarily actually want to have a discussion about that. It's more of just a comment. It's something Mm -hmm. they kind of thought about in I don't get the sense they actually, yeah, they actually want to talk more about it or they really want my deep thoughts on this issue. So I'd say a lot of the time it doesn't, we just kind of move on from that. I say something offhand or I don't know what I say exactly, but we, we just kind of move on pretty quickly. We don't actually delve into that. There's not a, there's not a, a real answer given then. It's just more kind of acknowledged and skipped over. Maybe a, a, a polite wave at the question, but then you're on to something else. Mm-hmm. Or I'll kind of... Go, or I'll just ask them directly, like, do you want to talk about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that something you want to get into? Um, and usually they're like, well, no, I was just, you know, <laughs> right. making conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, something that came to me. And, um, but occasionally it does, people do actually want to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the, usually the first thing I explain is what I alluded to before. Like you, for one hour a week, maybe you're in this weird context, which is therapy. Um, but I'm in it all day, every day. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time thinking about um, the fact that this is an unusual relationship and situation. And I am, I am not your friend listening to you. I'm not your parent. I'm not your spouse. And part of that is I have the luxury of like, I, yes, I, I care about you as a human being. I care about you as my client. But like, I don't have to live with you all day, every day, right? Like, I don't have to interact with you at birthday parties and holidays. And, you know, so it, it just doesn't, your stuff doesn't impact me like it would impact someone else in your life, a different mm-hmm. relationship in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's partly intentional. That's why the therapeutic relationship is so weird. That's why we can't hang out outside of therapy or why, you know, we don't like, you know, I don't invite you to my kid's birthday party and why we, you know, like, because it's important that I be able to stay relatively neutral and, and impartial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And most people kind of, that makes sense to them. They get that. Yeah, so that's a first thing I will say. How about how about you? What's what's something you, you talk about? Yeah, it, it's generally I I, I, kind of, I think I kind of handle it the same way you do. Sometimes it is just a kind of flippant comment, almost or mm-hmm. an observation, and, and or a curious kind of um, comment they make. You know, mm-hmm. um, and every once in a while, somebody actually does want to say like, "Well, how do you, how do you do this? You know, yeah. what, what's going on there?" Um, and it is it's a similar discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it usually includes. I, I usually tell them that's interesting that it feels like you're just complaining in here, you know, and, and, and cause a lot of them will say that, how do you, how do you do this? So if you just listen to people complain about their lives, you know, oh. which is funny cause I'll say, well, to me, it doesn't sound like complaining, you know, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm working, you know, yeah. as you're talking to me, I'm working, I'm filing things away and I'm putting, you know, I'm, I'm creating a theory. Drawing so it doesn't feel and... like I'm just listening to you, yeah. you know, at all. It just kind of feels like I'm um, creating a, a path through this stuff mm-hmm. um yeah so just yeah. as an example it, if you were to say to me like um start let's say you were complaining about something your spouse said to you and how it seemed you know mean to you and your response and as the therapist i would be doing a bunch of things i would be thinking okay how does this fit in with what i know about this person's life story and context mm-hmm. right how does this fit in with what they've said their goals are for therapy right 
um, how, how does this relate to um, what they were talking about earlier in session? You know, what could they be, um, they're, they're saying this, like what are they, what, they're talking about what literally happened, what could they be experiencing on an emotional level? Mm-hmm. Like where am I, what are my options for how I'm gonna respond to this? Where, where do I wanna take this? Is this sort of, do I want to just kind of validate it and leave it for them? Do I want to deliberately tie this to some other? So you're doing all sorts of things, right? you know? It's like when you, when your car starts smoking, you pop the hood and you're like, ugh, my car's smoking, right? That's how you, th- all you think is like, oh my God, something's wrong, my car's smoking. Right. But if you take a smoking car to a mechanic, they're going to start diagnosing all they know all sorts of things about engines and they're going to be thinking, well, could this be the carburetor? Is this related to the right. transmission or is this, you know, they're going to, so I think that's part of it. It's just as professionals, we've got all these, there's just a lot more going on. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that to my clients, sometimes it just sounds, I, and, and what they've kind of told me, it almost sounds like they perceive it as almost a whiny conversation where mm-hmm. I'm perceiving it as symptoms, antecedents, behaviors, consequences, you know, invalidating statements, arousal, mm-hmm. all those things. I'm kind of breaking, so... It just doesn't sound like whining to me a lot of the time. Yeah, one of the ways I, I think about this, and I'll, I'll talk to clients sometimes, is that m- my job is, is really to think, in some ways, not to think about your problems as problems, but as puzzles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like I, I'm thinking about it as a puzzle. There's a there's a kind of, there are variables in here and there are mechanics and there are dynamics going on. And my job is to, in part, is to kind of parse through that and try and make connections and see underlying patterns and mm-hmm. um, and relate this to other things and imagine how this might. So, yeah, it's sort of like a different. It, it's almost like imagine the difference between you turn on, you know, it's the Super Bowl and you're watching the Super Bowl. Sure, right. So that versus how might someone who's a professional football coach watch mm-hmm. a football mm-hmm. game? Mm-hmm. You're watching the same thing. But you're gonna be you're gonna be like seeing it on a multiple different levels, because that's what you do for a living. So you you're trained yeah. to do. You have this immense vocabulary for all the different things that are happening. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a good way to put it. I think just a different yeah, it's a different kind of uh, vocabulary. It's a different way of looking at things, mm-hmm. where a lot of the emotional stuff that would might go along with that conversation in a normal setting just isn't really getting processed at all with a professional sitting across from you. They're not internalizing your emotional state. They're not trying to put themselves in your position that much. They're just objectively trying to hear and and create a a hypothesis and a theory that'll work uh, therapeutically for you. So it's a very different experience than a casual conversation with a friend Mm -hmm. where you've just, you know, had had maybe even made a lot of the same comments about your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a really different, setting yeah function yeah, yeah. therapy's a it is weird right therapy's such an odd artificial setting mm-hmm. and it's interesting yeah. to invite people into it and yep. see what happens so another thing too that i would say is um th- <laughs> there's a selection bias here where people who become therapists in general it's probably not a wild stretch to say they're pretty curious about um the mind, psychology, mm-hmm. emotions, right? How that stuff works. To you, it's just this painful thing that you want not to be happening anymore, right? Right. But to to a part of the part of the reason, I would think most therapists do what they do is because they're inherently fascinated by the subject matter, right? Right. 
And so there's always that, frankly, there's just a lot, there's like curious intellectual stimulation and curiosity going on, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, which I know for me that that helps offset some of the painful, difficult parts of it. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I'd be lying if I say, if someone really is sitting across from me, just complaining about something for a while, like who nobody enjoys listening to other people complain. Right. right? Um, but if, if that's not how you interpret it, like we talked about first, and if it also, the way of looking at it gives you some sort of like intellectual stimulation and curiosity and like that helps kind of offset, I think the, the more difficult aspects of it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes um, you can recognize a pattern of um, observation or perception on the part of your client that is, I, I guess you could categorize, categorize it as um, whining or, or more ruminative, right? There's, there's a, a process that's very repetitive. Um, and a lot of the time it contains kind of the same kind of thoughts over and over and over again. Um, again, I don't, I, I wouldn't see that as whining. It would be, oh, there's a pattern of thought or a pattern of speech here mm -hmm. um, or, or relating to your problem that you might do with other people. They might find that annoying. Yeah. I'll address it as such. You know, hey, right. calling your friend and doing this for an hour every day after work, you know, mm -hmm. may not be. Yeah, there's an element of um, stuckness. Right. Right. In, in, in complaining, in the idea of complaining, whining, whatever you want to call it, I, I think the, the less um, condescending way of looking at that is someone's just stuck. They're spinning their tires. They don't right. know how. They would, be, they would be changing if they knew how to or if they right. felt like they could. And that's frustrating for someone who's not just like a friend who's right. like, yeah, I've told you what I think a hundred times and you're still stuck. So right. like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Or the person themselves, like, I really want to get out of this situation. I don't want to be depressed anymore, but I feel like I just sit there ruminating like crazy and I don't know what to do. So, but a, a therapist, like we spend, you know, years in grad school and then all sorts of time practicing. What, what we're trained to do is look at stuckness and figure out ways to get unstuck. Yeah. And not to not to judge the stuckness or have no. some kind of reaction to it. It's just, oh, okay, here's where they're at. They're doing this thing. It's a common symptom of this disorder. Let's go ahead and form a plan around that. Right. Yeah. And, and there's this weird bound. This is all, I'm going to get myself into trouble talking about this because <laughs> it, it's going to make me sound Do it. Um, <laughs> Say it. Sound bad. But there's a tricky balance, I think, to being an effective therapist, which is you of course you have to be aware that the person sitting next to you is a human being. Right. Right. And that they're, you know, and that we're all human beings and we all struggle and we all have a hard time. And, and so you, you are empathetic in that sense, but there's also a really important element where you, you have to be, you're a mechanic. Like mm -hmm. you're, you don't necessarily, yes, you see them as a human being, but you, there's this other gear where you, you just, you, you see them as there's some, a part of them is not working real well right? Some aspect of their engine is off. Mm -hmm. And, and our job is to look at that and figure out what, what mechanisms are funky in here right. and how can we, you know, adjust things. Improve the p performance of this. Vehicle. Yeah. So we, I, I often think one of the reasons I don't, one of the reasons I don't get as annoyed or frustrated as people might imagine, or that it's easier for me to just at five o'clock, I just go home and I don't think much about what happened during the day and it doesn't really stick with me mm. is because I specifically think about my work very mechanically, not morally. Mm. 
you know, like I think about it as it's a mechanical problem kind of, mm -hmm. which it, my rationale for this not sounding like a monster when I say that is that in a way it's actually more humane when someone comes in and says, I'm really struggling with X that they as a person are more than that particular struggle. Sure. Right. So for me to think of them as like, Oh, this depressed person came in all day long. It was just like, no, they, they are a lot more than their depression. Their depression right. is just a specific aspect of them. Right. And so treating that as a, you know, it's a, it's a particular mechanism in them that they're having trouble with. Right. I don't know if I'm making any sense here, no. but I think that's part of what helps me not get, as bogged down as people might imagine. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. You, you're not, you're not kind of trying to cure the person so much as like, how no. do we address this problematic behavior, thought process, whatever it is, mm -hmm. reaction to emotion. Yeah. Yeah. That, that doesn't define the person. It's just an aspect of their, their history, their existence, whatever's going on. Yeah. Our, our, this took me a while to understand, but our, our boss likes to say, we don't treat people, we treat mechanisms, uh -huh. which is the idea that, it's, it's, again, you are more than your, whatever your struggle is, no matter how big it sure. is. Like when it, there's nothing wrong with you as a person. There's this particular thought pattern, right? That, or this particular habit that's causing you difficulty that you want to change. And that's what we're treating. But like, I'm not treating you as a person. Yeah. Yeah. That would be much more intense. I think that would be if, <laughs> you know, if I was responsible for, uh, you know, I don't know, helping you as a person. Yeah. Right. That's, ooh. Yeah. There's there's a another question I get, or and this isn't as common, but every once in a while someone will say, you know, maybe maybe someone struggling with depression doesn't have a very big social support network, mm -hmm. and they'll say, you know, they'll 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 tie off some comment like I don't have a friend to call, you know, the only friend I have is you, and I have to pay you to listen to me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is which is an interesting comment, but it does get to this. My response gets to this as well, which is. I, I have a kind of a canned response to that, but it's, you know, you're paying for my expertise in behavioral change. I care for free. Like <laughs> I'm a human, like right. I'm going to care, you know, like right. we've spent some time together. I care. Um, but I'm not, I'm not to that point where I'm your best friend. You know, I'm, I'm here to help you as mm -hmm. a behavior change expert to, to get you on your way. I'm not here to, to partner up with you and, and you know, we're not forming a friendship that's going to last forever it's you're, you're coming to a professional to get help with a behavior or, or a emotional issue. And I'm going to do the best I can by it because right. I care and because I want you to do well. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting, it, it, it does kind of speak to that. The, the different context of therapy where, where we're not forming relationships We're we're really, we're, I guess we are in a way, but it's more of a specific type of yeah, relationship. It's a very weird specific relationship to promote healthy growth. And that's mm -hmm. about it. Right. Yeah. And there's something unique about having a really narrowly defined relationship actually helps. Right. You can't like, we, <laughs> we couldn't do this. Like if we were also buddies outside Ugh. of therapy and we were, you know, hanging out and spending time together and doing right. all, like it wouldn't work. I don't think your clients, I don't think my clients would like me at all. <laughs> That's not true, Todd. You're a very likable guy. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about the way you are in the office is probably just not the same as it is when you're at home. I mean, not that you're vastly different, but mm. oh, I don't know. Maybe, ooh, maybe we disagree, huh? I, I don't think I'm all that like. 
for instance, like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think my wife would be surprised if she watched me do a therapy session. No, but she knows all the facets of your life pretty much. So she wouldn't be shocked to see probably, but I think your clients might be taken aback by, you know, even seeing where you live because they've created a fantasy in their head about how your life is. And I think if they mm-hmm. saw like how different your life is from their expectation or, or how you are, they, they probably have ideas about, oh, I bet he likes these things. He kind of mentioned this. They're normal people. We're all normal people. So we make these kind of, but yeah, I think. I don't think it would be that far off. <laughs> I, I, I really don't think many people would be very, that surprised. Huh. Yeah. I don't well, think I'm don't that know. interesting. Like, <laughs> pretty like. <laughs> that would be a thing. They probably really enjoy their hour with you. And then they'd go, go home and they'd be like, this guy's boring as hell. <laughs> <laughs> do anything. <laughs> I didn't say I was boring, Todd. I, said I, I didn't say that, that interesting. <laughs> I didn't say the differences would be positive. <laughs> <laughs> they might absolutely see you outside here and just never come back if they no saw way. how I acted outside of there. <laughs> They'd probably be really impressed. They'd be like, "Whoa!" With me, they'd probably be like, "I can't even believe." <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's interesting. That though, but you th- you think there'd be a big discrepancy between? Oh yeah, yeah. Like what's I mean, a specific example? What would they be? Sh- what's something you do in regular life? They would be shocked by, you know, I'll get, I'll get comments sometimes. Um, you know, if you go out, if you go out of town, it's common procedure. You tell your, your client, I'm, I'm leaving town. We won't have a appointment on this day. We can reschedule. We can do whatever you go on vacation. But then I get a lot of questions <laughs> like, where are you going? What are you going to do? And, and you, I'll answer like, oh, I'm going here. You yeah. Know, and then I'll, I'll notice lots of other questions. They're curious. What, what are you interested in there? What are you going to go see there? You know, mm-hmm. and, and if you answer those, well, now, you've, now they've got this idea of you going on a trip and what you're into, what you're interested in. And sometimes I get comments where I'm like, wow, that is not me. You know, they'll say, oh, you'd probably be really like this. And I'd be like, in my head, I'm like, nope. Yep, it's obvious my client mm-hmm. doesn't know me very well. Hmm. Yeah. That doesn't happen to me. I don't, no? I, I don't get clients like inferring what I would like or not like in front of me. Really? We, we do that whole thing like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on, out on vacation. They say, where are you going? I'm saying, oh, I'm going to visit my family in California. You know, they go, oh, cool. You know, I went to California one time. It was fun. And then it kind of ends there. They don't say, where in California? Maybe. Yeah, sometimes. I'll yeah. say, uh, the Napa Valley. And they'll say, oh, I love the Napa. I was oh. there one time for, on my honeymoon. Yeah. And then it kind of ends there. Yeah. Well, verbally it ends there. In their head, they're, they're like, oh, he likes wine. He's really classy. He's, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling how do you. you. Know, how do you know that, though? Because that's what you would do if you heard someone say, I'm going to go to Napa for a vacation. You would kind of infer certain things, like, oh, they're into that. Okay. No, I mean, I, I said it was from Napa. But you're going home to visit. Right, because you probably fam- you probably grew up in the there. area. Right. Oh, yeah, he's probably got a vineyard. You don't think people do that, or he's into that, or he goes and visits his vineyard? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever thought about <laughs> it. I mean, if if someone said they're... Uh, from, I don't know, like Atlanta. I, I'm not, I'm not going to infer that they like, I don't know what are stereotypes with the South. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You know, like, um, or, uh, I, I mean, uh, maybe this is weird. I don't, I don't know. Huh. But you're, but I, what, but still, you're just guessing that people are inferring a lot. No, I'll get a comment later, you know, or, or like um, I'll get um, maybe that that conversation. Let's say I told the client I'm going to Napa Valley, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, around Christmas, they might try to give me a bottle of wine for a Christmas present. And they're like, oh, I remember you went to Napa. They'll say something like that. I know you went to Napa Valley, blah, blah, blah. I got this. Hmm. And you're like, oh, okay. Wow. You know, I don't drink a lot of wine. So it might be like, oh, I can kind of see like, oh, they, they inferred from that this. Okay. But yeah, but that's not a big thing. That doesn't mean you guys wouldn't enjoy spending time with each other. just because you don't like wine and they I'm think not, you do. I'm not saying that we'd be exact opposites. I just don't think that I'm the person that they've created in their head about me because they see me for an hour. But I guarantee your clients have kind of guessed about who you are as a person outside of this room. Yeah, and I would bet pretty good money that it wouldn't be that different from what they're guessing mm, if we okay. if we ended up spending a lot of time together. Like I think it'd be pretty similar. We need to run an experiment on image. this because I think it'd be really different. Sounds like an unethical experiment. After <laughs> 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 I didn't say it would be ethical. I just said <laughs> an experiment. Hey, everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks. Thanks.